Um, good morning, Hope Chapel. Our scripture reading for today comes from Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. Well, good morning. I was crying during the last song, so I'm like, oh. So I might cry as I'm standing up here. Just, um, we have been through a, a long, hard year. Um, and it's just a, a joy to be back together, to hear people singing, to be able to see faces. Um, and so, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to you for persevering uh, this year with us. Um, I'm grateful to all the volunteers. I'm grateful to the staff, uh, to the elders, to the deacons, um, community group leaders, youth leaders, um, for getting us through a very difficult year. And I'm grateful that we're here um, this morning and celebrating the fact that we're back together. Um, So I'll try to pull it together. Um, and get through this. This morning, uh, we're entering the home stretch in our study of the book of Hebrews. Um, the author of Hebrews was writing to a Jewish Christian audience who had been following Christ for some time and whose faith in him had begun to wane as their Jewish friends <clears throat> were encouraging them to turn back to Judaism. Throughout the letter, the author keeps reminding them that Jesus is better than anything that Judaism has to offer. Jesus is better than angels. Jesus is better than Moses. And Jesus is better than any earthly high priest. Now this morning we read verses 19 through 21. And we see that the author is repeating these themes about Jesus and what he has done. He tells us in verse 19 and 20 that Jesus is indeed the great high priest who through the shedding of his own blood tore the curtain that existed between sinful man and holy God. He tells us that Jesus established a new covenant where our righteousness does not come from works or animal sacrifices, but from Jesus Christ himself. Jesus has given us a new identity a new power through the presence of the Holy Spirit, and a new community which we belong. Jesus is the living way. He is the only way in which humanity is restored to the Father. And since Christ has done all of these things for his people, the author turns our attention and calls us to do two things this morning. The first is he calls us to draw near to God. And then secondly, he calls us to persevere. Let me pray for us 
Father, we're grateful this morning. We're grateful for the opportunity to be here unmasked in this place, lifting our voices to you. Lord, we couldn't have made it through the last year had it not been for your grace and your mercy and your strength and your goodness to us. And yet we acknowledge that over the last year we suffered with so many losses, so much pain and heartache. And we're grateful in the midst of that pain and heartache that you met us, that you held every tear, that you comforted us when we were frustrated, when we were tired, and that you forgave us when we sinned against you and against one another. And Lord, we're grateful today for a new beginning. And we pray, Lord, as we look at this ancient text, that you would give us ears to hear, Holy Spirit. That you would transform our hearts and our minds. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So you can look in your bulletins or you can open your Bible. And the first call that the author gives to us this morning is he calls us to draw near to God. Now, before creation, there was a divine romance which existed between God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The three persons of the Trinity, with their unique personalities and functions, they lived in perfect relationship with one another. And we can only imagine the conversations that took place between them. God the Father sharing incredible stories as God the Son and God the Spirit attentively listened to and hung on to every word. There was great laughter and so much love that one day the three-in-one decided that they wanted to create man and woman and invite them to come and be a part of this sacred romance. And God created Adam and Eve And as they spent time with God, they tasted the pleasure of sweet intimacy with the Trinity. The romance that existed far surpassed anything that you and I can ever imagine. The romance far exceeded the love that existed between Noah and Allie in The Notebook, or Barbara Streisand and Robert Redford in The Way We Were. Adam and Eve were in perfect relationship with God. But, as you know, the romance was shattered when Satan entered the garden and Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Think about the most painful breakup that you've ever experienced and magnify that by infinity. That's the pain and the heartache that God and mankind experienced. But the good news this morning is that God didn't give up on us. He developed an elaborate sacrificial system to make it possible for us to maintain a relationship with him. But the sacrificial system, which we've been looking and talking about over these last weeks, was limited by the imperfection of man. 
No matter how many animals were sacrificed, it was never enough to satisfy God's holiness. So a conversation took place between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And God the Son willingly volunteered to leave the confines and the comforts of fellowship in which he had experienced with the Trinity, and he entered our world. He took on flesh and blood and dwelt amongst us. Jesus Christ, fully human and fully divine, lived on earth and experienced everything that we experienced except he was without sin. He was hung on a cross, he died and was raised again so as to restore the sacred romance between the Trinity and mankind. And so the author of Hebrews this morning is exhorting us to do what we were created to do. And that is to draw near to God. He's exhorting us to pursue an intimate relationship with God the Father and God the Son and the Holy Spirit. And you might be asking the same question that I was wrestling with this week. Why would the author need to exhort his audience to draw near to God when that's when they, what they were naturally created to do? And the answer is, his audience struggled with fears when it came to moving toward God. His audience, they grew up under the old covenant where they were required to do all of these ceremonial things like washing and animal sacrifice to draw near to God. Their external things were often difficult to do and therefore undermine their confidence as to drawing close to God. The author knew and understood this. And therefore, in his call for them to draw near to God, he reminds them of the new covenant. That they were now operating with new hearts and they were washed with pure water. The new covenant provides the full assurance to his audience, which enabled them to push through their fears so that they might draw close to him. Now, likewise for us, we didn't live under the old covenant, but many of us grew up in a church setting where there was overemphasis on external works. This overemphasis often left us feeling like we were net, that, that we never measured up and therefore we weren't worthy of moving toward God. But the truth of the new covenant and the truth of the gospel is we can boldly move toward God without fear because we belong to God. We are his sons and daughters. Many of you probably remember there's an iconic photo of John Jr. sitting under JFK's desk in the Oval Office. Now, John Jr., he had unfettered access to his dad. Unlike anyone else, John Jr. could march into the Oval Office at any time. Why? Because John Jr. belonged to JFK. 
And because we belong to our Heavenly Father, we too have unfettered access. We can interrupt any meeting, any conversation to see our Abba. The assurance of our faith melts our fears and gives us renewed confidence to draw near to Christ. And since Christ has done all of these things, we can move toward God with confidence and assurance. And so the question for you this morning is will you move toward God today, tomorrow, next week, and throughout the summer? My hope as I leave on sabbatical, many of you have asked, what what are things that I'm hoping to draw from my sabbatical? And one of them is I hope to fall deeper in love with Jesus. My hope is that over these next months that I'll have more time to read, to talk, to pray, to listen to him. But my sabbatical is not just about me. The church has an opportunity this summer as well for renewal spiritually. And so my hope is for you this summer that you all will move toward God. You will draw near to Him. You'll take time to walk with Him, to listen to Him, to pray to Him, to laugh with Him, to cry with Him. That this summer would be an opportunity for you spiritually to grow in ways that you haven't grown in the last years. Our God loves you. And He is jealous for you. And He longs for you to meet with Him. Scripture says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. And so the first thing that we see in our text this morning is the author is calling us to draw near to God. The second exhortation that we see from our text this morning is the author is calling us to persevere. Look at verse 23. The author tells us to hold fast. To hold fast. The word here, to persevere. He's pleading with his Jewish Christian audience. Don't fall away. Hold fast. Persevere in your walk with Christ. And he goes on to say that the path to perseverance is twofold. How do we persevere? We persevere first as we cling to the confession of our faith. And then secondly, we can persevere if we learn to walk together in community. So I want to take some moments to unpack those two things. First, for us to be obedient, to persevere in our faith, we need to hold to our confession. We need good, solid doctrine and theology. The truth is that the truth is under assault. 2,000 years ago, the Jewish Christian audience 
what they believed was under assault. They had Jewish friends that were telling them, you think that Jesus said that he was going to come again? He lied to you. Where is he? It's been 40 years. He hasn't come again. The truth was under assault. Today, we are told that truth is relative. Truth is subjective. You can believe what you want to believe. I can believe what I want. You can believe what you want. And simply, we can speak our own truth to one another, even if it contradicts one another. And therefore, the Bible, which espouses one truth, that we are all subject to. The world is telling us that it's ridiculous. And if you want to hold on to these ancient truths, then you're being narrow-minded, unloving, uncaring. And the temptation for us as we follow Christ is not to throw away the whole Bible, but instead to slowly begin to shift on things we once held too firmly. And I've seen this amongst my seminary brothers who graduated with me back in 2000. Over these last 18 years, I've watched some of them slowly begin to let go of the truth of Scripture and tweak it here and there. And then what I've seen is they've continued to do that. Some of them who were trained alongside of me are no longer walking with Christ at all. There's a slippery slope when we begin to let go of the truth and shift in our beliefs. Therefore, the author says, the way to hold fast, the way to persevere, is to cling to your confession of faith. Cling to what the Bible says about creation. Cling to what the Bible says about the fall. Cling to what the Bible says about redemption. And cling to what the Bible says about restoration. There is one truth and many legitimate summaries. Our path to perseverance in our faith is to responsibly exegete Scripture and hold on to the closest legitimate summary to God's one truth. Now, this cannot be done alone. And it certainly can't be done and directed by social media. But instead, it needs to be done using the tools of biblical and historical theology and done as we lean into our brothers and sisters who hold fast to the inerrancy and infallibility of God's word. So contrary to what the world says, sound theology and doctrine is a good thing. And if we want to persevere in our faith, we need to hold on to the truth of God's word and we need to be very aware of how the culture is trying to tweak it here and there, which is a slippery slope which can lead us away from him. So as I leave on sabbatical, I know that some of you here are struggling over what you believe. 
This last year has been so difficult. It's brought out the best of us and it's brought out the worst in us. And one of the things that I've noticed over the last year is the truth of God's Word has been under assault. And I want to encourage you to hold on to the core Christian beliefs. I want to encourage you to continue to study God's Word on your own and in community. The Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the Lord of the Rings, the Philea, Galadriel was given a, gave a gift to the elf queen. She gave it to Frodo Baggins, and it was a light to use in dark places. She told him, it is a light that will lead you when all other lights go out. Likewise, Scripture is the light which will lead us when all other lights go out. It is the light that will help us persevere until Jesus returns. And so, how do we persevere? First and foremost, we hold to the confession of our faith. You hold to the confession of your faith. You hold to the truth. Secondly, we persevere as we hold on to one another. The pandemic, it caused such great devastation all over the world from loss of life to loss of jobs to the loss of our way of life. And one of the most devastating losses for the church over the past year has been the inability for us to safely meet together in person for corporate worship. And while we and other churches have found creative ways to meet via live stream, Zoom, and outside, all the statisticians are saying that probably 30% of those who attended church pre-pandemic will not be coming back to church once the pandemic is over. But if we are to stay the course, if we are to persevere in our faith, the author is urging his Hebrew audience, he's urging us, saying that you cannot live out your faith alone. In verse 24, one of the most quoted verses in Scripture, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need each other. With all of our differences, with all of our gifts, with all of our talents, we need each other to stir one another up, to motivate one another to love and good works, to challenge one another to pursue love over hate, to pursue godliness over sin, to pursue truth over lies, and to pursue mercy over punishment. The temptation will be strong this summer, like it was 2,000 years ago, to neglect meeting together as a church body. But the author says, if we are to persevere, we need to walk in community with one another. We need to intentionally 
move toward one another. And I know, I know the timing of Daniel's departure and my sabbatical aren't what we anticipated. But I believe with all of my might that God is sovereign. He chose for Daniel to leave and for me to go on sabbatical at the exact same time for you. I believe he's ordained this season. And Hope Chapel's life, this is an opportunity for all of you to move toward one another, to love one another, to pursue one another, to lock arms with one another, to use each of your gifts. And every one of you has gifts and talents. And like never before in the history of Hope Chapel, we need your gifts and talents. And so if you are in town, I hope that you come and worship here or you worship through live stream. I hope that you continue to meet with your community groups that you pray together, that you laugh together, that you speak truth to one another. I think God is going to do some incredible things this summer in the life of this church. So much so that when I come back at the end of the summer, I'm not even going to recognize Hope Chapel because y'all have grown and changed so much in so many good and godly ways. There's going to be new faces here, new people that I've never even met. That we're going to see people come to Christ this summer because of your love for one another. This is such an incredible opportunity. And I promise I will pray for you every day this summer. I will pray that you persevere. That you hold fast to the truth of God's word. And you aren't detoured by culture or the world or Satan. I'm going to pray every day that you don't forsake meeting together. And so if you're in town, you're here or you're watching live stream. If you're in town, you're at your community group. If you're in town, you're coming to prayer during the week. If you're in town, you're just dropping by the office to encourage Michael and the other staff to lock arms with them and say, hey, we're here to help. Whatever you need. We'll do it. I'm going to pray that for you. And I believe it's going to be one of the best summers of the 13 summers that we've had here at Hope Chapel. And so the question for you this morning is, do you believe that? Are you willing to sacrifice time, gift, gifts, money, talents, whatever, maybe even vacations so that you can come and be here and worship so that you can lock arms with one another so you can be at serving Greensboro to care for the city. Are you willing to do that? Left to yourselves, it's impossible, but you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. You have a new identity, a new heart. And he is your power and he will be your strength and he will help you lock arms and come together. Since we have such an incredible high priest, since 
We have a Savior who shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Since we have a Savior who instituted a new covenant where we are given a new heart and a new power in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and yes, given a new family, let's obey God. Let's draw near to him in new and fresh ways. And let's persevere. Let's cling to truth and cling to one another. Amen.